If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 60. Isaiah, chapter 60, verse number 1. It says, Arise. Say it with me. Arise. Arise. Say, Shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your Dawn. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you for your word, for your word brings life. And your word is also light. Lord, and we know that we live in a world that is full of darkness. And your word is light. Your word is exactly what the unbeliever needs to free them from the bondage of sin. To give them eternal life, not just life right now, but life eternally, that they will not have to suffer the, the, the consequences of, uh, of sin, which is hell. Lord, help us to be a light to them, to be a light, not to judge, not to judge, for you did not come to judge, but you came to save the world. You did not come to condemn, but you came to save those who are lost. Lord, for you are the righteous judge, Lord, but you came to save. Lord, you came to save, and that is what you're doing this morning. Your word is going to save our souls. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. The church says, amen. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to serve God. I'm excited about being in the army of God. I'm excited because in, in this army, we don't see defeat, Amen. We only see victories. Even, you know, there may be times when you think that you're defeated, but you're not. That's the enemy, that's the enemy lying to you. You may think that, that, that there's no hope, that I can't come back from what I've done, but that's the enemy lying to you. See, in the army of God, we don't experience defeat, church. We only experience victory in Christ. See, it's always in great times of need and, and seemingly defeat, I use that word, seemingly defeat, that we read about the supernatural power of God, don't we? Every time in the Bible, it's always in those times of need, it's always in those times where individuals feel like they're defeated, where the supernatural power of God shows itself. And not that it was in hiding, but it's just that maybe we didn't tap into the power of God. That we, didn't, that we didn't tag him in, like in wrestling, right? Remember that? You tag, the, you tag your partner in, and you get, a, you get someone with a, with a fresh, with a fresh uh, 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 strength. I was going to say anointing, but that is an anointing. <laughs> they come in all fired up, ready to go. Come on, who am I going to take down? You need, to tag in, you need to tag in your father, amen? You need to tag him in. Some of you are trying to do it on your own strength, but that's not how God meant for you to fight this battle. We read about how God used Joseph to provide food for Egypt, and not just for Egypt, but for the rest of the world as well. In those, in those seven years of famine, 
How God used him to provide. Read about how Elijah sought God in prayer in James 5.17, and it says this. It says, Elijah was as completely human as we are. I like that. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. What was he praying for? Well, Elijah prayed because he didn't want the people to think that they were providing for themselves. He wanted them to understand that true provision only comes from God. So he says, God, let it not rain so that these people's eyes can be opened to see that you are the one who provides. It is not them. It is not their own strength. How many know we as, as human beings, we become wrapped up in ourselves many times, don't we? Don't we? Come on, you don't gotta, don't lie, you're in church. There's a lot of selfish people in here. And we don't, even, we don't even do it purposely at times. We just do it because that's just how we've, how we've trained ourselves to be. See, but God wants you to understand, amen, that you are not providing for yourself. You are not doing this on your own. That God is your provider. God is your strength. God is your director, amen? I believe the church is going to truly see the power of prayer. I believe it. The power of God's provision. The true blessings of living a godly life. What does that mean? That just means seeking God. You seek God. If you want to live a godly life, just seek God. Just seek Him. That's all you have to do is chase after Him. And God is going to help you to live a righteous life. If you want to make better decisions for yourself, start seeking God. Don't do it on your own. Maybe you find yourself in trouble because you've been, you've been following your own advice. Stop it. Seek God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, seek God. I believe the church is going to be a beacon of light to a world living in darkness. God is going to use this church and many others as well to be a beacon of light. To be a testimony of who God is. We must be a people that points the way to healing. Points the way to restoration. Points the way to hope. Points the way to salvation. Points the way to eternal life with Jesus Christ. That this isn't the end. All those atheists that don't believe in God, this is not the end. You have nothing to lose when you serve God. But you have everything to gain. See, I believe this is the church's finest hour. That's exactly what this message is titled. The church's 
finest hour. I want to focus on three areas this morning that each of us must work towards. If we are to be used by God during these times, number one, Wait. Did someone come up here right now? Oh. I was like, wow, God, you provided. You multiplied my waters. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea what was going through my head right now. I'm sorry for the silence, but that was amazing. I shouldn't even have asked you. <laughs> I was like, I know I drank the water because I have the cap right here as evidence, yet there's two full bottles of water and they're cold. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Once again, sorry for the silence, but that was, that was I, my mind was like, wow. <laughs> Thank you for whoever did that. That's amazing. That's good stuff. United. <laughs> Jesus prays this prayer in John 17, 21. And he says, my prayer for all of them, this is Jesus praying, my prayer for all of them is that they will be of one heart and mind. This is Jesus' prayer to the Father. That they will be of one heart and one mind, just as you and I are, Father. Who is Jesus praying for? He's praying for us. He's praying for us. You think it was just for those in that time? And then Jesus says, oh, for the rest of them, they could, they could live however they want. They could live in division. No. Jesus says, my prayer, Father, is that they would live in unity. That the church would live in harmony. That's Jesus' prayer. You see, division is nothing new. The enemy has been using these tricks since the beginning of man. He was at work causing that division between Adam and God. How sin came in and caused that separation. You see, but just as sin has caused that separation, amen, sanctity in Christ is going to bring the unity once again. Amen. When we are sanctified together in Christ, we can now come together in unity as one, serving the same God. The Bible says this. It says that any kingdom filled with civil war is doomed. So is a home filled with argument and strife. Hmm. Any kingdom filled with civil war is doomed. What are we seeing in this day and age? We see a whole lot of civil war. We see a whole lot of fighting amongst ourselves. The enemy is no longer even international. It's in the same nation that we fight against. We can't even, we can't even find common ground 
Why? Well, because the world has decided to get rid of God. So what do you expect? When God is no longer the common ground, then you will always find division. When God is not the center of our relationships, guess what? We are going to have division. That's plain and simple. And just the same as, as in your marriage, when God isn't the center of your marriage, you're going to have arguments and strife. Yes, every marriage has its times, but you don't have to live in that predicament as far as always arguing. There needs to be a change. And I don't mean finding a different spouse. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, there's a way out, Lord. No. <laughs> God wants to bring unity in your marriage. Did you know that? He wants to bring restoration. See, an important thing that you need to understand is this, and write it down, is that truth comes before unity. Truth comes before unity. What does that mean? That means that unity without truth is hazardous. What did Jesus say about this? Let's read what he prays a few verses prior in John 17, 7. And he says, make them holy by your truth. And he says, your word is truth. Truth comes before unity. And what is that truth? God's word. God's word is truth. If we are to experience unity, the Bible says, then we need to know God's word. See, only those sanctified through the word can be one in Christ. You have to understand this. If, if someone serves a different God, there cannot be true unity. There cannot. Because sanctity, only those sanctified through the word can be in Christ. Any other teaching would be betraying the gospel. Romans 15.5 says this. says, May God who gives patience, steadiness, and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ toward the other. See, we must confess all hostility, all bitterness to God, to yield to God's control, and allow the Holy Spirit to bring forth the spirit of unity in the body of Christ. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? <laughs> it sounds so elementary, but it makes so much sense. Can you walk together with someone when you both don't agree on what direction you're going in? Yes, we may encounter different opinions on such issues, uh, such issues as, you know, maybe methods you know, this, this is how we should do it. No, this is how we should do it. But we must strive to keep unity for the well-being of the church. Whatever differences you may have in your head, for the well-being of the church, you need to keep unity. 
you need to strive for the spirit of unity. Well, so-and-so is not doing that. It doesn't matter what so-and-so is doing. God says to work out your own salvation. You strive for the spirit of unity. Even if someone else isn't, you pursue it. You say, oh, you know what? Oh, geez, man, I just, oh, they always want to argue. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strive for the spirit of unity in this. You do it. See, the church will not be effective without unity. It's not going to happen. In today's society, so many churches today we see are split on moral issues. As believers of God's word, we must agree on the biblical foundations, those biblical truths, amen, for the well-being of all people. All people. The Bible says that we are all part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, so it, is with, so it is with the body of Christ. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Do you want to live in unity is the question. Do you want to live in unity? Write this down. Show godly love. Show godly love. Write this one down as well. Seek the best in others. Or actually, seek the best for others. Seek the best for others. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. If you show godly love to one another, godly love, not the love that, 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 you, that you may have been, you know, come to understand growing up that if, you know, you know fool, me, fool me twice, you know, shame on you. That isn't godly love. But as you show unconditional love as God has shown you, and if you seek the best for others, not just for yourself, but now you're seeking the best for others, you will encounter unity. You will it's going to be a byproduct. Secondly is driven. Not only do we need to be united, we need to be driven. Having passion for the things of God. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. This is how God wants you and I to work. This is how he wants us to serve. Heartily. With our heart. As unto the Lord. Not that man would see. But that you seek to please your father. Be alive. Awake. Motivated. Jesus speaks in Luke 21, 36, and he says, Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. God is calling us to be awake, church. 
He's calling you and I to be awake. Are you sleeping? Are you seeking God? Are you going to him like Elijah did? Because you see the hurt in the world and how Elijah wanted their hearts to turn toward God. And so he said, God, allow this to happen so that their eyes would be open to see that you are the one true God. Are you seeking God like that so that no one has to go to hell? We need to be alive, awake, passionate, motivated. Do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that God is able? Because if you don't believe he is able, you're going to have a hard time having passion serving him. Because you have to believe it in the first place. In order for someone to be all for something, they have to believe in something. Just like you are for your sports team. Whoever that sports team is, I won't give names out because it always goes bad and people just stop listening after I mention their team is bad and so I don't want that. <laughs> you know, I didn't want that. But you believe in your team that they're going to make it to whatever championship it is. And you're passionate because you believe. Do you believe in God? Do you believe that God is a miracle worker? Do you believe that God works supernaturally? What does that mean? That means not in the natural. <laughs> Supernatural? Not in the natural, it's above the natural. Super, right, like Superman, but even greater. Super, it should be like super duper natural. He doesn't operate the same way you and I operate or even think that someone can operate in. He works supernaturally. That means that whenever he works, it always blows our minds. Wow, like the water right now. My mind was literally blown. <laughs> I almost just got on my knees and started to, started to worship. Like I was like, wow, God, that's amazing. But I know he can do that anyways, though. I know he can, multi he can do anything he wants. You know what I'm thinking? How some of you actually saw it when your eyes should have been closed when we were praying. Ponder on that one. <laughs> the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible, not hard, not difficult, it is impossible to please God. The Bible also says that, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Amen. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that your hope is in the Lord today, church, because God is renewing your strength right now. Your hope is in the Lord. I don't know what you're facing right now. I'm sure it's something difficult, but God says, get on my back, amen, and I'm gonna renew your strength. I'm gonna give you the wings like eagles, the Bible says. You're gonna soar. You're gonna soar, amen. See, is your hope in the Lord? Is your trust in the Lord? 
And is your hope and trust in the Lord driving you? All those things that have caused you to be hindered in your past, they must be left behind. You need to leave those things behind, church. All those things that have tripped you up, all those things that have tried to stop you from moving forward in Christ, you need to leave those things behind. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, say, huge crowd of witnesses, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially, the Bible says, the sin that so easily trips us up. How many of you get tripped up by sin too easily? I know there's many here. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, check this out, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. <clears throat> Lastly here, not only do we need to be united and also driven, the last point is to stand. Say that with me, stand. Philippians 1.27 says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Check this out. How do citizens of heaven, how do they live? Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. That's how citizens of heaven live. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Oh, man. When Christ comes back for his church, what is he going to see? What is he going to find? Oh, I believe he's going to find a mighty army standing together for righteousness. A mighty army, citizens of heaven, that say, you know what? We are fighting together, not fighting one another. This isn't a civil war, but this is a spiritual war. And we've been fighting on our knees, and we've been fighting the spiritual darkness. And Lord, we have been seeking your face. We need to stand. John 19, 38. says, afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. You see, the Bible says that this Joseph, not the Joseph that we know about, you know, the main Joseph, this is a different Joseph, was a secret disciple of Christ. A secret disciple. Not because Jesus sent him to be an undercover Christian. <laughs> I'm putting you on special assignment, Joseph. No one is to know who you serve. So you're going to be undercover. Make sure that you hide it really well. No, Joseph was hiding it because he was afraid of what others might say. Because of his position. Joseph was part of the council of the Sanhedrin. And if, and if others would have, would have heard 
that he was a follower of Christ, who knows what would have happened to him. And so because of that, Joseph kept it on the down low. I remember a song back in the 90s when I was growing up, and it was a song by DC Talk called Jesus Freak. Some of you know that song too. Some of the lyrics went like this. It says, what will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find out it's true? And I believe many Christians may, may go through their life thinking that way. Well, what are others going to think? You know, maybe, maybe teenagers, maybe young adults, maybe full-grown adults. What are, what are others going to say about me? I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be called a, 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 a Jesus freak. I don't want them to call me names. I don't want to stand out like that. I don't want them to think that, to think that I'm not cool. I want to, I want to be cool just like everyone else. And maybe we think those things. Maybe at, maybe at your job, maybe no one knows that you're a Christian. I hope not. I hope everyone knows who you serve. You take a stand. You see, this is what God has called us to do as a church, is to take a stand. Take a stand for righteousness. Take a stand for Him. Why? Because He took a stand for you. He took a stand for you and said, oh, I'm going to do this for you. Others need to know who we serve. It needs to show not only, not only in our words, but in our actions. And this is exactly what Joseph was struggling with. But the Bible talks about how Joseph came to a place in his life where he was no longer going to allow uh, the fear of losing his earthly position and what others may say about him to keep him from taking a bold stand for Christ. No longer. He was done with it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm tired of living my life like this in fear. I'm not going to do it any longer. And so after Christ was crucified, he asked to, to, to take Jesus' body and, to, and, to, and to, to, to bury it, to put it, to put it uh, uh, in where he had placed it. He came to a place where he said, I don't care anymore. I've spent too many years being a secret follower of Christ. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not. I'm not going to live in fear anymore. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. The world is going to know right now that I'm a follower of Christ. God, forgive me for being a secret disciple back in the day. But Lord, Lord, I am coming out right now that I serve you and let the world see that I serve you. See, if you live to please God, then you can't let him, then you can let him take care of your reputation. Let him take care of it. You serve God. And don't worry about what others may say. Amen. Let God take care of that. Let God fight your battles. 
You see, Jesus has called his church to stand. Stand for righteousness, amen? Stand for unity. Stand for the next generation. Stand for marriages as God created, amen? Stand for the unborn babies. Stand for prayer. Stand for the word of God. As we stand on God's word, as we seek him in prayer, as the worship team comes forward this morning, as we strive to live a godly life, we will continue to see God's blessings, even in times of famine, even in times of need, even in times of seemingly defeat. You're going to see the supernatural power of God at work. You're going to see it in your life. Guess what? So are others. Others are going to see the power of God at work in your life. And it's going to change lives. Joshua 24, 15 says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What was he saying? What was he saying? He said, you know what? Today, I am taking a stand. I'm taking a stand. That it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It doesn't matter what everyone else is listening to. It doesn't matter the life that everyone else is living. As for me and my house, as for, as for my marriage, as for my children, as for my grandchildren, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. As a single, I'm going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. God has called me to follow him. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow him. And prayerfully, prayerfully, my life can be a light to others. That others would come to have light in the, in the dark world. I'm going to close with this, James 5.19. James 5.19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Church, God has called you and I to stand for righteousness. Why? For your own life? No for the well-being of everyone else as well. For the well-being of everyone else. I don't just mean in this building, I mean outside these four walls. The world needs to see something different in the church. If the church is going along with everything the world is doing, then how's, how's the church gonna help in any way possible? the church would be going straight to hell with them. God has called you and I to be the light. Be the light. Be the light.
Light brings peace. Light brings peace. Think of a flashlight in the dark. What does it do? It brings peace. That's what God brings. That's what the light of God's word brings in our lives is peace. You want peace? Oh man, you need to get into God's word. You need to get into his word. You need to seek him. You need to follow him. Church, this is the church's finest hour. And it's not done by ourselves. I'm telling you right now, this is Christ's church. This is Christ's church. Amen? This is his church. It's his church. And he's about to use his church like never before, like never seen before in a world so full of darkness that light is going to shine bright. It's going to shine as bright as it has ever shined before. God is using you and I. Oh, what a great time to be a Christ follower. Tell others about him. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. As we bow our heads this, evening, this morning.